welcome to another episode of the revolution of untold stories of indian freedom struggle in the last episode we ended with lord cornwallis gaining the control of bangalore it was time for the british to use bangalore as the base and bring the battle to Tipu Sultan's capital, Sri Rangapatnam. Welcome to the revolution, untold story of Indian freedom struggle. I am Shushmita Mazumdar, your host. And I am Kaushik Mazumdar, your co-host. As mentioned earlier, on receiving word that Cornwallis had captured Bangalore and was moving toward the Mysorean capital, Sri Rangapatnam, Harry Pont moved out from the Karnool and made a junction with Cornwallis on 20th May. But before that, in the ensuing battle on 15th May, Cornwallis flanked Tipu's position and drove him to retreat behind Sri Rangapatnam's walls. In the meantime, Tipu harassed the British supply and communication and embarked on a scorched earth policy of denying local resources to the invaders. Cornwallis's army was on the verge of starvation and he had to make the difficult decision on 22nd May to destroy his sea strain. The lack of provisions forced Cornwallis to withdraw to Bangalore rather than attempt a siege of Sri Rangapatnam and retreat. But only three days later, the Maratha army arrived. Tipu having successfully prevented most of its messengers from reaching Cornwallis got the efforts of the alley crippled. Following the withdrawal, Tipu sent forces and retook Coimbatore after a lengthy siege. Following the Allied retreat to Bangalore, the armies of Parsiram Bhau and Tejwant left the Grand Army to pursue territorial gains in Mysore's northern territories. Parsiram Bhau's intention was to recapturing the Bednod district that Hyder Ali had taken from the Marathas in an earlier war. With the help of British detachment, he managed to capture Huli Honore and Shimoga. But before he could lay siege to Bednod, a detachment from Tipu's army prevented him. Bhau did not return to the Grand Army until after peace negotiations began at Sri Rangapatnam. On 25th January, Cornwallis moved from Savendur towards Sri Rangapatnam, while Robert Abercrombie advanced from the Malabar coast. Cornwallis established a chain of outposts to protect the supply line from Bangalore. When the massive army reached the plains before Srirangapatnam on 5th February, Tipu began showering the force with rockets. Cornwallis responded with an attack the very same night to dislodge Tipu from his lines. After a small battle, Tipu's forces were flanked and he retreated into the city and Cornwallis began siege operations. On 12 February, Abercrombie arrived with the Bombay army and the news began to tighten around Tipu. By 23rd February, Tipu began making proposals for peace talks and hostilities were suspended the next day when he agreed to preliminary terms. Following the signing of the preliminary treaty of Sri Rangapatnam 
on February 23, 1792, offered the company a large sum, but Cornwallis insisted that Tipu surrender two of his sons as hostages as additional guarantee. On 26 February, his two young sons were formally delivered to Cornwallis amid great ceremony and gun salutes by both sides. Cornwallis was not interested in significantly extending the company's territory. But he did not want to let any of the native powers enjoying excessive strength or land. Instead, under the terms of the treaty, Peshwa acquired territory up to the Tungabhadra River and Nizam was awarded land from the Krishna to the Penar River and the forts of Kadappa and Gandikota on the south bank of the Penar. The East India Company received a large portion of Mysore's Malabar coast territories between the kingdom of Travancore and the Kali River and the Baramahal and Dindigul districts. Mysore had to grant the Raja of Kork his independence, although Kork effectively became dependent on the company. Mysore was also obligated to pay some of the cost of the war. Finally, on 18th March 1792, Tipu agreed to the terms and signed the Treaty of Srirangapatnam, ending hostilities. But it must be remembered that the detention of the princess and their guards was a distinct breach of trust on the part of Lord Cornwallis. They all stand testimony to the fact that the British were very vindictive with the Mysore power. While talking about Mysore power, we must talk about Mysore rockets. We started the topic with India's missile man, Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam's quote about the Mysore rockets and Tipu Sultan's contribution to the same. Haider Ali, the father of Tipu Sultan, was rather the two visionary who introduced the rocket and employed them in the battle against the British. Tipu upgraded the technology and made it further lethal. The military manual, written under the supervision of Tipu Sultan, contains in detailed description about the requirements of rockets in military campaigns. According to the manual, a company of rocketmen or jock was supposed to be attached to each regiment. Rocket strategy was used extensively in each of the Anglo-Mysore wars under Tipu. Historical records show that rocket corps were a regular feature in the Mysore army since the days of Hyder Ali. Beginning with about 1200 men in Hyder Ali's times, they reached the strength of about 5,000 men in Tipu's army. Historians Lance Day and Ian McNeil in their work Biographical Dictionary of the History of Technology wrote, the British at Sirangapatnam had suffered more from the rockets than from the shells or any other weapon used by the enemy. Scientist Rodham Norsimha wrote in his article rockets in Mysore and Britain, that the Mysore rockets of this period were much more advanced than what the British had seen or known, chiefly because of the use of iron tubes for holding the propellant. After the fall of Sirangapatnam in 1799, the British army found 600 launchers, 
serviceable rockets and 9000 mt rockets at tipu's fort many of these were sent to the royal artillery museum in ulwich where two specimens are still preserved inspiring it to start a military rocket research and development program in 1801 later william congreve started studying them and did some fine reverse engineering to invent the congreve rocket duke wellesley who once got scared of mysore rocket attack would go on to use these congreve rockets systematically against napoleon and defeat him at waterloo in june 1815 the british had used every trick bribe force and every other way to keep the native powers with them all these natives were mainly sharing a common enmity rather than a common goal as it turns out the british made sure that they were the glue to hold the native powers together against tipu so the chances of forming a successful confederacy against them were almost impossible after the treaty of srilangapatnam was signed tipu was left with a very little territory and little option british with the help of hostile neighbors had got tipu surrounded almost entirely his last hope was foreign support none but the french who were still fighting the british at every possible ground on earth would help tipu at that time in 1794 with the support of french republican officers tipu helped to find the jacobin club of mysore he planted a liberty tree and declared himself citizen tipu napoleon bonaparte wished to establish a french presence in the middle east but his ultimate dream was of linking with tipu sahib in the battle against their common enemy the british napoleon assured the french directory that as soon as he had conquered egypt he will establish relations with the indian princess and together with them attack the english in their possessions accordingly he had planned everything as mentioned in the report of 13th february 1798 by talleyrand having occupied and fortified egypt we shall send a force of 15000 men from swage to india to join the forces of tipu sahib and drive away the english but probably the destiny had planned something else already in february 1798 napoleon wrote a letter to tipu sultan appreciating his efforts of resisting the british annexation and plans instead of reaching tipu this letter was seized by a british spy in muscat the idea of a possible tipu napoleon alliance alarmed the british against tipu sultan even though horatio nelson crushed napoleon's ambitions at the battle of the nile in 1798 the british feared an invasion of india by napoleon british governor general lord mornington soon after he arrived in india the same year decided to finally eliminate tipu 
the major alley of France in India for once and all. An army of East India Company sepoys and cavalry was assembled in Madras under General Harris with a contingent from the Nizam of Hyderabad and the British 33rd Regiment of Foot under Mornington's younger brother, Colonel Arthur Wellesley, the future Duke of Wellington. Recognizing the situation, Tipu requested the British to send one envoy to settle the differences on February 13, 1799. By assessing the conditions of Tipu, the British neglected the request and prepared for the war and the final invasion of Mysore. Though amongst all Anglo-Mysore wars, the fourth one was relatively a short event, but its impact was to be felt for the next 250 years. After some rather feeble initial engagements with the Tipu's armies, the British army marched into Mysore. On March 8, a forward force managed to hold off an advance by Tipu at the Battle of Sidasi. Tipu's initial resistance was pushed aside and the British army sat and besieged the capital, Srirangapatnam. The lime-washed walls of Srirangapatnam bristled with cannons. Several British soldiers were captured by the Sultan's army and taken into the fortress. Nails were driven into their heads or they were strangled by Tipu's jetties. Professional strongmen, executioners. Tipu Sultan's goal was to hold the enemies and delay matters until the monsoon arrived. But all his attempt went in vain as the enemy commanders continued with their siege. On April 22, 1799, the British reiterated and insisted on specific conditions. Accordingly, Tipu Sultan was required to give one half of his kingdom and pay two crores of rupees as war indemnity. One crore was to be given immediately and the other within six months. He had to surrender four of his sons and four of his generals as claimed by the General Harris. But it may be said that Tipu's fate was already concealed. It was just a matter of time for the verdict to be delivered. As you may safely presume, no tale of Indian struggle for freedom can be completed without an episode of treachery. Tipu Sultan also had to face some from his own men. After acquiring the support of the native rulers by bribery, the British gained the support of the ministers, officials and servants of Tipu. Because of that, during the Fourth Anglo-Mysore War of 1799, Purnia and Mirsadak, the ministers of Tipu, kept the gates of Sirangapatnam Fort open to the British. During the conclusive British attack on Sirangapatnam on 2nd May 1799, a British shot struck a magazine of rockets within Tipu Sultan's fort, causing it to explode and send a towering cloud of black smoke with cascades of exploding white light rising from the battlements. Finally came the D-Day on the 4th of May 1799. The assault was launched 
soon after 1 o'clock by troops equipped with bamboo ladders for scaling the walls. There were more than 26,000 soldiers of the British East India Company, approximately 4,000 Europeans and the rest Indians. Within minutes, a British flag was planted in the breach as the defenders fled. Tipu himself fought bravely, loading and firing muskets handed him by his servants as if he was at a sporting shoot. But the odds were too great. He was wounded and his staff tried to hurry him away in a palanquin, but in a rather sad turn of events. He was killed for his jewellery by an unidentified British soldier. As night was falling, a British party found the Sultan's body under a heap of corpses near the Eastern Gate. He was given an honourable burial in his family mausoleum in the city. The news of Tipu's defeat and death caused excitement in England and his treasure hoard provided ample prize money for the British senior officers. Harris was given a paraj and Morrington was made Marcus Wellesley. Arthur Wellesley was put in charge in Mysore and moved into Tipu's palace. While the throne was bestowed on an infant member of the Udiyars, the previous Hindu rulers of the Mysore. Many members of the British East India Company believed that Umdad Ul Umrah, the Nawab of Karnatik, secretly assisted Tipu Sultan during the Fourth Anglo-Mysore War and they immediately sought his deposition after the end of the conflict. The English achieved success due to the struggle for supremacy among the natives of the peninsular India. The lack of unity among the native powers not only left Tipu in the lurk, but also permitted the British to exploit the situation in their favour. Since Tipu Sultan had captured Madras, Baramahal, Salim, Dindigul, Coimbatore and Malabar, the British ambition of expansion of the territorial possessions faced with a strong challenge. The agrarian prospects of Tipu's country got the English inclined to bring the territory under them from the control of Mysore. Further, as Tipu fought against the foreigners single-handedly, the British were specific in putting an end to him for achieving their end of expanding their territorial positions. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page for episode notes, resources and more. Visit us at www.ksproductionsusa.com Subscribe to The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Production in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions and Shauni Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maiti. 
Content developed by Dipanjan Maithi, Brotati Chakraborty and Kaushik Mazumdar. Sound designed and original music composed by Satyajit Sen. Also used compositions by Kazi Nazrul Islam. In the next episode, we will bring you another new rather old story from the pages of history through the days of Indian freedom struggles.